This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed. My name's Lynette, and today my husband is here alongside me, uh, Dennis. Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have some free giveaways. One of the giveaways is the book um, Steps to Christ. And the other one you will find by checking out the local takeaways here in Palmerston North. This magazine called The Signs has articles on health and family and issues we face in life today. And as I said at the beginning, we'd love to hear from you. And you can contact us and um, on the text 22 Six eight one five two one six, and you can also email us on info at mpr.nz. Yeah, we'd love to. Um, if you want, would like us to pray for you or a family member on or off ear, you can contact us. <coughs> so let's just start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us and we ask for your guidance. We ask that we'll hear your voice today, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, I've been looking um, for a devotional. I've been looking at the story of Jonah and it's very interesting how similar it is to the story of Jesus in the storm with his disciples. There are so many parallels between Jonah 1 and Mark chapter 4 and the story happens um, towards the end, I believe, of Mark chapter 4 of Jesus and the storm. Anyways, yeah, the parallels. And it's like Mark has deliberately laid out his account so that it looks so um, so similar to the story of Jonah chapter 1. And both Jesus and Jonah are in a boat. Both boats are overtaken by a storm. The descriptions of the storms are almost identical. Both Jesus and Jonah are asleep. And in both stories, the sailors wake up the sleeper and they said, we're going to die. In both cases, there is a miraculous divine intervention and the sea is calmed. Further, in both stories, the sailors then become even more terrified 
than they were before the storm was calmed. Two almost identical stories with just one difference. In the midst of the storm, Jonah said to the sailors, in effect, there's only one thing to do. If I perish, you'll survive. If I die, you will live. Jonah one twelve, And so they threw him into the sea, which doesn't happen in Mark's story, or does it? If you look, step back, and just think of the whole of the story of Jesus in relation to this. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, one greater than Jonah is here, and he's referring to himself. He's saying, I'm the true Jonah. And he meant this, someday I'm going to calm all storms, still all waves. I'm going to destroy destruction, break brokenness, kill death. How can he do that? He can do it only because When he was on the cross, he was thrown willingly, like Jonah, into the ultimate storm. Under the ultimate waves, the waves of sin and death, Jesus was thrown into the only storm that can actually sink us, the storm of eternal justice, of what we owe for our wrongdoing. That storm wasn't calmed, not until it swept him away. And inside of Jesus bowing, if the side of Jesus bowing his head into this ultimate storm is burned into the very core of our being, we will never say, God, don't you care? And if you know that he has not abandoned you in the ultimate storm, what makes you think he would abandon you right now in the storm that you may be facing. And someday, of course, he will return and still all storms for eternity. If you let that penetrate to the very centre of your being, you will know he loves you. You will know he cares and then you will have the power to handle anything in this life with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, sink it into our very core that you faced the ultimate storm for each one of us. Help us to see that you will never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to have a song, and it's a really cool song. So 
Yes, how wonderful his love. And that song was from the album Glorious Christ. Um, and number nine, See How He Loves Us. So now for our health tip. We have been working our way through the little book Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And how he uh, is, this whole book is about how our emotional center in our brain, which he has nicknamed Limbo, how it has such a big effect on our thinking uh, and our actions. That's the center of emotions and motives. And the first chapter, we looked at speaking positively and how our limbo, our brain is listening to what we say to ourselves, what we say to others and how it affects us. And the second um, thing we looked at in the acronym SMILERS, um, so S for speak positively, M, move, motion creates emotion and we're looking at, looked at exercise and um, even how we sit affects our thinking. And we are looking at chapter four and continuing on, blue and green should often be seen. And we're up to the paragraph, it's starting like this. What do you think is the most cheerful mood lifting colour? To test this, researchers invited individuals to paint a wall in a white bedroom a colour that would make them feel more positive. Overwhelmingly, the participants in the study opted for bright hues of yellow and orange. You're probably not surprised by this. Yellow is commonly associated with being happy. And... But the reason why this is the case goes deeper than you might realise. Essentially, your limbo loves bright light. In countries of high altitude, where there are extended periods of low lighting during the winter months, it is more common for people to become depressed and suicidal, a condition referred to as Seasonal Affective Disorder, or SAD for short. On the flip side, exposing our eyes to bright light is used as a treatment for depression. In fact, a recent study found that light therapy was more effective for relieving depression than antidepressant medications. That's powerful, isn't it? Importantly, light therapy doesn't involve burning out our retinas by staring into the sun. So don't do that. All that is needed is for our eyes to spend time in a well-lit area. However, the sun does seem to be the best source to light up our limbo. Indoor light such as that in an office environment is typically less than 500 lux. Lux or L-U-X is simply a measurement of the intensity of light. Comparably, natural sunlight can beam up to 100,000 LUX, even on an overcast day. The light outside is a minimum of 1,000 LUX, at least twice as bright as most indoor spaces. 
In the shade on a bright sunny day, we can be immersed in up to 25,000 LUX, about 50 times brighter than most indoor spaces. We might not notice, but our limbo notices. Researchers from the University of Colorado monitored how much light individuals were exposed to on a typical day in their electrically lit environment and compared it to when they went camping in winter. They discovered that during waking hours, the participants were on average exposed to light levels 13 times higher when camping as compared to the artificially lit environment, more than 10,000 versus 750 Lux LUX. So why all this talk about LUX or Lux? The consensus is that we need about 10,000 Lux for 30 minutes each day or longer periods of exposure if the light intensity is lower to give our limbo a lift and feel emotionally upbeat. Researchers have also discovered that morning light seems to be especially good as it has a blue tinge because its wavelength is shorter. Again, we don't notice it at a conscious level, but our limbo notices. It equates blue-tinged light with morning time, so kicks us into rise-and-shine mode, and we feel more awake and alert. The takeaway message is that the sights we're exposed to, the images, colours, and especially the brightness, can have a pronounced effect on our limbo, on our emotional centre of our brain, and then how we feel, even without us being aware of it. Okay, so we're in that section. It was talking about sight, what we see, what our eyes see. Now we're looking at sound. Our limbo is wired for sound. Like our optic nerve, our auditory nerve sends messengers directly to the limbo. Hence, sounds can evoke all kinds of emotions. Hearing a scream evokes fear. Listening to running water can make us feel relaxed. And the sound of a dripping tap can drive us mad. We can all attest to the ability of music. Sounds strung together to move us emotionally. This has been recognised since biblical times when it was recorded that David would play music for King Saul to keep him, to help him feel better. Certainly, rousing music can make us feel more emotionally upbeat. One study found that the composition titled Rodeo by Copland is especially good for this. Music has such an impact on our limbo that not only are our emotions affected, all its other functions are enhanced as well. Recall from chapter 1 that the limbo has three functions. In addition to being our emotional hub, it also plays a key role in memory, motivation and many automatic bodily processes. Consider the ability of music to enhance our memory. How many songs can you sing along to as they are randomly played on the, wind, on the radio? Hundreds. 
possibly thousands. That is a lot of lyrics to remember. So how and why do we do it? We forget things like our wedding anniversary or phone number, but we can fluently recite the Sesame Street song. The reason this happens is that when our limbo comes across a tune it likes, all its functions, including memory, are heightened, so it is not surprising that music can be used to enhance learning. Music also has the ability to make us feel more motivated. This is why gyms always have upbeat music playing to help people get in the mood. Athletes often listen to upbeat music to help them get psyched for an event. On the other hand, certain music can make us feel calm and relaxed. One study showed that listening to relaxing music before surgery reduced patients' anxiety levels better than medications. Finally, music has also been shown to alter automatic bodily processes. It is perhaps not surprising that the right kind of music can lower our heart rate and blood pressure. But music composed by Mozart has even been shown to boost the immune system and reduce allergic reactions. That is interesting. This has been referred to as the Mozart effect because the same immune boost doesn't seem to occur when listening to other composers, not even Beethoven. Given its influence on our automatic bodily processes, it is understandable that music has been used as medicine for thousands of years. All this evidence reinforces the fact that our limbo responds to and is highly influenced by sounds. But there is still another sense that can have a surprisingly potent effect on our limbo. And we'll share that one with you next week. Okay, so that was our health tip for today. And now we're going to have the song called Rescuer. He's our rescuer. captive good news for the shame there is good news for the world who walked away there is good news for the doubter the one religion failed for the good lord has come to seek and save he's
before we have the next song there, we'll um, go and have an ad break now. So, yep, ad break. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Welcome. You're listening to Amazing Grace and... Just as we said at the the top of the program, we have a couple of free giveaways and actually my husband's just reminded me that we also have a third one. And um, so you can contact us on our email at info at MPR or text on 0226815216 and those free giveaways Include the book that um, we have been sharing our health tip from the book Live More Happily, Happy, sorry, Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And we have limited um, supplies of this book, so first in, first served. And the other um, two free giveaways are the Signs magazine, which you'll find in the local takeaways here in Palmerston North. And also, we have the book Steps to Christ, which is a really highly recommended book. So now we are going to have our continuing our study on Revelation and um, welcome, Dennis. Yes, well, it's great to be here and um, the Bible's uh, the most wonderful book in the world. It's the bestseller. Um <clears throat> I think it's over 100 million um, every year Bibles sold or given away around the world. Um, there's no other book that comes close to it. So <clears throat> we've been um, talking about, well, we've been going through the seven churches and we're up to the sixth church. And just a summary of what we said um, last time. Um, well, actually, I'll just read um Um, From Revelation 3 and verse 10 it says Since you have kept my command to endure patiently I will also keep you from the hour of trial That is going to come upon the whole world To test those who live upon the earth So that's a really interesting verse And we talked about that Um, We talked about that last time How um, in Revelation 13 and 14, which deals with the final crisis, um, talking about worshipping the beast and the image and receiving its mark. And these are all symbols, uh, like the beasts are, or the beasts or images are a symbol of different kingdoms. And then the mark is um, a counterfeit to what the beast um, is um, enforcing. So in, anyhow, when we get there, we will talk about that. But um, the the test in um, verse 10, <clears throat> which we have um, 
we've said that um, there's two great tests at the end of the world. The mark of the beast, everyone's going to be tested by that. And then the test that um, this verse 10 um, applies to, I, I showed last time how we were talking from Second Thessalonians, the two great tests uh, or two great signs before Jesus will come. One was the falling away. Uh, of professed Christians from the Christian church. Matthew 24 says the same thing. If you read verses 9 through to um, 14, it says the same thing, persecution. Um, and then <clears throat> you have the um, the counterfeit um, second coming by Satan and his demons. And um, God was going to keep his people from being deceived from that. Now, what I want to really concentrate on today is the promises, the promises. Now, I'd just like to read um, from verse 11, um, and this is what it says, For I am coming soon. See, this church is a picture of the uh, final church upon, upon the earth. See, it says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. crown. And him that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming, coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him a new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I'd just like to talk around um, about uh, these thoughts here. Now it's interesting, <coughs> I, um, I have on a card the promises to the seven churches. Now you have... Um, <coughs> The first church, which is Ephesus, there's one promise. You go to Smyrna, the second, there is two. The third church, there is three. The fourth church, Thyatira, there's four promises. Sardis, the the fifth church, there's five. And Philadelphia, there is six. And um, just go over them. Uh, Protection from the hour of trial, it's a promise. Um, you made a, a made pillars in the temple, permanent residence in the temple. The name of God is written on them. The name of the city of God is written on them, and Jesus' new name is written on them. So there's six promises there, and the last church which we will talk about next time, um, Laodicea has one promise, which is a culmination of all the promises. So it's wonderful, isn't it, Um, what God has in store for those who love him, as the Bible says, and are overcomers. So I'm coming soon. So after this great test, um, these two tests which I have mentioned, the mark of the beast, not to worship, um, not to worship this kingdom, and also... Um, this final, this final test um, where Satan will counterfeit um, the coming of Jesus. Now, 
interesting to hold on. What does it mean to hold on? Now, I find the Bible is the most encouraging book of all. You have um, some interesting verses in the Bible. Now, I'm going to read from Revelation. Um, let me read it. I'm, I'm going to read from Revelation 2 and verse 10. And it says here, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. You will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you a crown of life. Right? So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, God wants us to be faithful. Right? So um, another verse... um, in the in the seven churches is verse twenty four and twenty five. So this is Revelation two, twenty four and twenty five. This is to the church of Thyatira, but it says this Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to the teaching and have not learned have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you. And it says, only hold on to what you have until I come. Only hold on to what I have. Now, when you have a look in um, Psalms, see, the Bible's its own interpreter. Oh, it's wonderful, the Bible. Its own interpreter. And it says here in Psalms 119 and verse 117, it's the biggest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, and it says, Hold me up that I may be safe. Isn't that wonderful? So if we we claim the promise, it says, Hold me, hold me, hold me up, Lord, you hold me. I love the Bible because every command in the Bible, there is a promise that God and his grace will do it for us. I think of Jude um, 24, and it says, uh, Unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy. Isn't that wonderful? Unto him who is able to keep you. And Second um, Timothy one twelve, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So isn't that wonderful? That is really wonderful, isn't it? Now, <clears throat> I, need, I think we should have a break, eh? Let's have a song. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color I was dead, now I'm living forever I had failed, but you were my redeemer I've been blessed beyond all measure I was lost, now I'm found by the Father I've been changed from a ruin to treasure I've been given a hope and a future 
it. We um, back um, yeah, counting every blessing. Yes, there's a real benefit to us to count our blessings um, and not to complain about what's happening in life. You know, um, we had to count our blessings and um, keep our eyes on God. Now. <clears throat> We've been looking at um, this holding on to God, and you know I mentioned about that promise, "Hold me up, that I may be safe." Uh, that's Psalms 119 in verse 117, and Jude 24, unto Him who is able to keep you from falling. Now it's interesting. Um, there's an interesting verse. I think I might have read it. Um, it's Revelation uh, 16 and verse 15. And it says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake, stays awake, and keeps his clothes with him, so he may not go naked and be shamefully um, exposed. So you've got to stay awake. That's what it says. Blessed is he who stays awake. Now, we could spend a lot of time on this, um, but it's keeping our eyes on Jesus, isn't it? And keeping our clothes, um, so when we become, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're covered by His righteousness. <clears throat> he is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. Now, if we have Jesus and we're covered by His righteousness, um, we're not going to go naked. We won't be exposed. So we've got to stay awake and hold on to Jesus. That's what we need to do. Um, so it's interesting in the Bible, um, people who didn't hold on and they lost their way. Now, just um, just a few examples was um, Esau. He sold his birthright to Jacob. And even though Jacob um, <coughs> deceived both his father and his brother, but uh, he ended up getting the blessing. Now, uh, King Saul... He was anointed king, but he lost his way, and um, David took his place. And what a great man David um, turned out to be in the long run. And then Judas, the 12 disciples, he lost his way, and uh, another took his place. So we've got to hold on. Now, the other thought is um, I I wanted to cover, (coughs) which is a... A pillar in the temple. So verse 12, Him that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Um, See, what does that mean? You know, it's interesting. It means part of God's inner circle. For instance, I've been promoting um, uh, these... um, Pamphlets, which generally only have about um, 15, 20 pages um, and very well presented. And you can buy them online, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. But this is um, what they say here on page 7. It says, this means they will have a major role in governing in the government of the universe. Now, they quote the verse, which I think is just an amazing verse, is Revelation 3, verse 21. It says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down on my father, um, sat down with my father 
<coughs> on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Isn't that amazing? The overcomer will sit down on the throne with Jesus. So, to be a pillar in the temple is to be part of that inner circle. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So I'll read from the, this pamphlet again that, um, that the meaning they will have is a major role in the government of the universe. Although often despised on earth, God's people will be elevated to the highest place in eternity. So I, I guess this this world is like a um, testing ground, a probation, um, and if we if we come to Jesus, all who come to Jesus um, will be saved and continue to allow Him in, into our lives. We uh, will be safe. Now, in my Bible, um, that's um, the main one that I have for a study Bible, I've got all these different um, statements. And i just like to read you some. And <clears throat> this is um, oh, it's talking about heaven. It says the redeemed will throng from uh, well, no, sorry again, I'll start again. The redeemed throng will range uh, from world to world. So they're going to travel from world to world. Much of their time will be employed in searching out the mystery of redemption. And throughout the whole stretch of eternity, this subject will be continually open to their minds. The privilege of those who overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony is beyond comprehension. Eye has not seen, the Bible says, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men and women the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So, isn't that interesting? I think that's very good. Um, For instance, here is another statement I've written down. To dwell forever in this home of the bliss and to hear... um, to hear um, in soul and body and spirit, oh no, to to be in body and soul and spirit, not a trace of sin um, or curse, but the likeness of our Creator through ceaseless ages to advance in wisdom and knowledge and holiness, ever exploring new fields of thought, ever finding new wonders, new glories, ever increasing in capacity to know and to enjoy and to love, and knowing that there is still beyond us joy and love and wisdom, infinite such such is the object to which the Christian hope is pointing. Isn't that great? That's wonderful, isn't it? And um, here's another one. We eagerly wait for the moment when every faculty will be developed, <clears throat> every capacity increase. The requirement of knowledge will not 
weary the mind or exhaust the energy, there the grandest enterprises will be carried uh, forward. The loftiest aspirations reach, the highest ambitions realize, and still there will arise new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths comprehends, fresh objects to call forth the powers of mind and soul and body. Isn't that wonderful? It's really wonderful. Um. <clears throat> Right, here's, um, here's one from Charles Spurgeon. He says, Look for the bright ending of your trials. Jesus came out into the light, ultimately. Talking about Jesus and his trials and the cross. He came out into the light. There he sits in incons- inconceivable splendor at his Father's right hand. So shall all the faithful come out of the cloud and shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Doesn't that sound good? <clears throat> Here's another one from Timothy Keller. It's Psalms 77 and it's in his, oh, I think, no, I think it could be page 77. Timothy Keller um, is a retired pastor now, but he, he started um, a really big church in New York City. And um, you can listen to a lot of his sermons online. He's written a lot of books. Um, He's probably one of the um, foremost um, authorities on um, on on the Christian life. And this is what he said: Our future is a world of love. We will walk, eat, engage in conversation, embrace, sing. <coughs> Dance, all in the degrees of joy, satisfaction, power that we cannot now imagine. We will eat and drink with the Son of Man forever. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It really does, doesn't it? <clears throat> now, my final one, um, I, I read a sermon by Spurgeon on, um, it was Luke 12, and he says here, Talking about future service, um, he says, I'm only learning, you know, he was the prince of preachers. Um, I'm learning now to preach. I am but learning how to preach now. I shall be able to preach by and by. Um, yes, to angels, principalities, powers, you shall be... Um, you shall make known the manifold wisdom of God... Sometimes, something. No, sometimes, aspire to the thought of a congregation of angels and um, archangels who will sit and wonder as we tell what God has done for me, and I shall be to them an everlasting monument, monument of grace of God to the unworthy wretch upon whom he looks with infinite compassion and save with wonderful salvation. So you can you can go online and read that sermon and it's from Luke <clears throat> Luke twelve, thirty seven and thirty eight, and it's on the last page. Um, it's just wonderful what God has prepared for those that love him. And uh, my friend, 
um, he does love you no matter what you've done. He is our righteousness. Just come to him. He is our saviour. It's the only religion that has a saviour. No other saviour in any other religion except for Jesus. That's why the Bible says there is salvation in no one else except by the name of Jesus. So God bless you. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, that was um, really good. Where else can we turn? The Bible, Jesus, have the words of hope, joy, meaning and purpose. So just before we close with a prayer, just a reminder that we have free giveaways here. Um, the book Science, sorry, the book Steps to Christ and also the book Limited Editions of um, Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton and in the local takeaways the book um, Signs and this deals with articles on health and family and issues that we face in life today. So let's just um, close with a finishing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can talk to you and that you are only a prayer away. I pray that you'll be with the ones who are listening right now. Help us all, Lord. Help us to look to you and help us to remember that you have faced the ultimate storm for us and that you have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Jesus' name, amen. So from us here, Dennis and myself, we would like to pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Until next time, God bless.